0: News of the Times, Scotland Yard Casebook, The Road Hill House Murder. Welcome to News of the Times. It is 1860 Wiltshire. Today's episode looks at an early Scotland Yard case with their rising star detective, Jack Witcher, pitting his famous detective skills against an unknown murderer in a hostile environment. Three-year-old Francis Saville Kent has been secreted from his cot in the dead of the night, taken to the outhouse, and had his throat sliced so deeply that the gash has cut through to the spine. There is also a deep wound in his breast. Francis's little body is wrapped in a blanket and has been shoved down the toilet in the outhouse. Who did the crime, and why would anyone kill a small three-year-old child? It is quickly established that the killer, whomever it is, must reside in the house. With initial failures from the Wiltshire Police, the London Metropolitan Police, early Scotland Yard, is contacted with a request for help, and the famous Jack Witcher is sent to solve the crime. This extraordinary case made headlines at the time and the crime had a rolling impact on several people for years to come. The vicious murder of a young child in 1860 Wiltshire is today's episode of Scotland Yard Case Files. We hope you enjoy the show. Before we begin, It's important to review the background of the household. Samuel Saville Kent, born in 1800, married Mary Ann Windus in 1829. The two had ten children, four of whom were living at the time of the crime. Samuel worked as a factory commissioner, requiring him to inspect factories around the country. His wife, Mary Ann, suffered from an obstruction of the bowel and was quite ill for some time. To help care for the children whilst Mary Ann was indisposed, Samuel Kent hired a governess, Mary Drew Platt. In 1852, Mary Ann died. The neighbourhood was rife with rumours regarding Samuel's philandering ways. One year after the death of Mary Ann, Samuel married Mary Drew Platt, the governess. The household. On the evening of the crime, the household contained Samuel Kent, fifty-nine, the patriarch, Mary Kent, forty, Samuel's second wife, who was pregnant with her fourth child, and four children from his first marriage, including the youngest, Constance, 15, and William, 14. Also, Mary Amelia Kent, 5, daughter by Saville's second marriage, Francis Saville Kent, 3, son by Samuel's second marriage, and Evelyn Kent, 1, daughter by Samuel's second marriage. The household had three staff members living in the house. Elizabeth Goff, the nursemaid at 22, Sarah Cox, housemaid, 22, and Sarah Kerslake, the cook at 23. Reportedly, Constance and William did not like their new stepmother. Constance was known to be a troublemaker in regards to her stepmother. Such was the animosity that Constance was sent away to be educated, only coming back on holidays. Constance and William, as two children from the first wife, were said to be devoted to each other. The Crime Sometime at night within the house on the 29th of June, the nursemaid noticed that three-year-old Francis was not in his cot. The cot still had an impression of his body. The nursemaid assumed that Francis had been picked up by his mother and thought no more of it. The following morning it was established that Francis was indeed missing. A comprehensive search of the house and grounds was made with a reward of £10 on offer by Samuel to anyone who could locate his son. It was noticed that the windows that had been locked the night before were slightly ajar. Francis is found wrapped in a blanket and still in his nightclothes, partly stuffed down the water closet. His throat had been cut nearly to the spine. There's also a large gash on the left side of his little body. Interestingly, there was no blood in the water closet and Francis had considerable bruising around his mouth. From the Bristol Daily Post, the 3rd of July, 1860. Barbarous murder. A shocking tragedy was perpetrated at a village called Road. Barbarous murder. A shocking tragedy was perpetrated at a village called Road, four miles from this town. On Saturday morning last, Mr S. S. Kent, a gentleman holding a lucrative appointment as inspector of factories for this district, lives in a retired house standing in its grounds at Road. On Saturday morning about seven o'clock, it was found that one of his sons, a fine boy just four years old, was missing from his cot in the nurse's room in which he usually slept and after an hour's search, his body was found stuffed down the seat of a privy on the premises, the throat being cut from ear to ear, and a large stab being apparent in the region of the heart evidently inflicted after death. The child was wrapped in the blanket belonging to its bed, and appeared to have been killed whilst still asleep. The perpetrator is as yet undiscovered, but of course the most diligent inquiries are being made. It is thought that the guilty person or persons, for it seems almost incredible that one could have done it alone, must have been in the house overnight, for all the fastenings were untouched, just as they had been left the previous night when examined by Mr. Kent, with the exception of the drawing-room window opening onto the lawn. This was found partially open, and the shutters unfastened, but no violence had been used either there or at the drawing-room door, which was locked on the outside overnight. The wounds were inflicted apparently with a large carving-knife, but no such weapon or any clothes stained with blood have as yet been found on the house or the premises. The family consists of Mr. and Mrs. Kent and children, the three girls and a boy by the first wife and two girls and the deceased by the present Mrs. Kent. It is a singular fact that nearly three years ago the youngest Two children by the first wife, Constance and William, conceived themselves to be ill treated, and they started off, both in boy's clothes, and were not found for two days. They have now just returned from school. It seems almost incredible that the child could have been abstracted from the nursemaid's room without her knowledge, but not the slightest suspicion attaches to her. The affair has occasioned great consternation in the neighbourhood. The nursemaid's antecedents are looked into. Checks show that she has an unblemished record and to having been highly spoken of in her previous employment. Her reason for not attempting to find Francis when she discovered he was missing was that she thought he had been collected by his mother and placed in her bed it is for this reason that a search was not made for francis until the morning when it was realized that no one had him from the bristol daily post the fourth of july eighteen sixty the late mysterious and atrocious murder at frome the inquest on the body of francis Saville kent aged four years the victim of the diabolical outrage which has astounded the whole of this neighbourhood, was held on Monday at the Temperance Hall before Sylvester Esquire, coroner for Wiltshire. The inquiry was conducted in the Temperance Hall, which was crammed to excess. Mr. Rodway of Trowbridge, solicitor, attended to watch the case on behalf of Mr. Kent the nursemaid out of whose room the deceased was abstracted, the housemaid who examined the drawing-room fastenings in the night before the murder and found them undone, and the persons who discovered the dead body in the water-closet were examined, but no fresh facts of any kind were elicited, and the barbarous affair still remains in the inexplicable obscurity which has hitherto Characterized it. Constance and William Kent, a half sister and half brother of the deceased, were also examined, but no new information was gained. The superintendents of police from Froome, Trowbridge, and Devizes, and the chief constable of Wiltshire were in attendance. After a five hours inquiry, the jury returned a verdict of wilful murder against some persons or person unknown on the 8th of july little francis sackville kent is buried the grief of the father is said to be intense the only mourners at the burial are samuel kent and william wiltshire constabulary there were many complaints throughout regarding the alleged errors made by the Wilts police in the case initially, thereby making things that much more difficult when Scotland Yard was called in. One example of their supposed bungling was the nightdress incident. The nightdress. During the initial investigation, a blood-stained nightdress was found stuffed up the chimney, the Chief Inspector of the Constabulary ordered that the room would be watched in hope of the killer coming to collect and destroy the evidence. The plan was a failure as the watching police found themselves locked into the kitchen whilst the bloody nightdress was whisked away never to be seen again. With the Wiltshire Constabulary officers being easily tricked into being locked into the kitchen, and the removal of vital evidence, there is pressure to bring in outside help. Jack Witcher. Witcher was one of the eight original detectives of the newly created detective branch of the Metropolitan Police, what would become Scotland Yard. Highly respected, he was referred to as the Prince of Detectives by his colleagues. Witcher faced a number of challenges. The constabulary did not want him and were unhelpful. The populace in general were unhelpful with this outsider from London coming in to pry into the affairs of the local. The Kent family were upper class and Witcher came from a working class background. This was relevant in 1860. Lastly, Witcher in his investigations with the woman of the family, had to be most careful to follow the prescribed social decorum of the day. From the Bristol Daily Post, the 17th of July, 1860, the late mysterious murder at Rode. Inspector Witcher of the Metropolitan Detective Police arrived at Trowbridge yesterday evening and proceeded to road this morning to investigate this mysterious case the magistrates of the road division held a further conference this morning in the temperance hall during which elizabeth Gough, the nursemaid was brought before them and liberated the magistrates had little to communicate of their proceedings of that day beyond the fact that inspector witcher a detective officer had been sent down from London, and the investigation was now placed in his hands. A reward would be immediately offered, £100 by the government, and £100 on the part of Mr. Kent, to any person giving such information as should lead to the conviction of the perpetrator of the crime. Together, with a free pardon to any accomplice or person not being the actual murderer. The nursemaid had been discharged and had been informed that she was at liberty to go where she liked, and she had stated her intention of returning to the discharge of her duties at Mr. Kent's house. Mr. Lopez, another magistrate, said that the house had been re-examined and researched in every possible way. The best superintendents of the force had been engaged in the investigation, and it was only an act of justice to the police and to the magistrates to state that they had used their utmost exertions in endeavouring to train out the guilty party. Hostility to an outside detective from London was rife. Witcher encountered sullen responses to his queries and a lack of support from local constabulary. Residents of the village were equally, equally less than helpful. Witcher turned his attention to the residents in the house. Who had the means and who had the motive? Constance's Nightdresses ostensibly constance was supposed to own three nightdresses however she had in her possession only two nightdresses her third nightdress having been borrowed from her sister when asked about her missing nightdress constance stated that she had placed it in the wash basket and that he had become lost in the wash constance was arrested on the sixteenth of july 1860 on suspicion of the murder of her half-brother three-year-old Francis. The suggested motive was her support for her brother William who with the birth of Francis was no longer heir to Samuel's estate. A side motive proposed was her suggested extreme dislike of her stepmother and all of her half-siblings which are believed that the murder had been mostly constance but with the help of william from the jersey independent and daily telegraph the twenty fourth of july eighteen sixty the apprehension of miss constance kent this morning at eleven o'clock a meeting of magistrates was held at the temperance hall in rhod for the purpose of continuing the investigation into the murder of Francis Saville Kent, under the mysterious circumstances with which the public are already familiar. From eleven o'clock till about half-past three, the inquiry was conducted with closed doors, but Mr Inspector Witcher appeared, having Miss Constance Kent, a half-sister of the deceased child, in custody. THE ACCUSED WALKED WITH A FIRM STEP FROM HER FATHER'S HOUSE TO THE HALL, BUT WAS IN TEARS. SHE WAS ACCOMMODATED WITH A SEAT IN FRONT OF THE MAGISTRATE'S TABLE, MR. INSPECTOR Witcher TAKING UP HIS STATION ON ONE SIDE OF HER, AND MR. SUPERINTENDENT Wolfe ON THE OTHER. SHE SAT WITH HER EYES FIXED ON THE GROUND THROUGHOUT THE INQUIRY. The hall rapidly filled with inhabitants of Road and the neighbourhood, as the intelligence became known that Miss Constance Kent had been apprehended. Constance Kent was addressed. Miss Kent, information of Jonathan Witcher, the detective, inspector of police of the Metropolis, who has taken you into custody, has made a charge against you. His report reads... I have been engaged since Sunday last in investigating the circumstances connected with the murder of Francis Saville Kent, which took place on the night of Friday, the twenty-ninth of June last, the house of his father, situated at Rode in the county of Wiltshire. From my examination of the premises, the scene of the murder, and from inquiries and information received, I have reason to believe that the said murder was perpetrated by an inmate of the house, and I suspect that Miss Constance Kent is implicated in the crime, and I pray for a warrant to apprehend her. Mr. Ludlow states, That is the information upon which you have been apprehended, and we shall now proceed to take evidence. Inspector Witcher is sworn and deposes. I am Inspector of Detectives, and from many inquiries that I have made, and from information received, I sent for Constance Kent on Monday last to her bedroom, having previously examined her drawers, and found a list of her linen which I now produce, in which were enumerated, amongst other things, three nightdresses as belonging to her. A question of nightdresses. I said to her, This is a list of your linen. She replied, Yes. I said, In whose writing is it? She said, It is my own writing. I said, Here is the list that states three nightdresses. Where are they? She said, I have two and the other was lost at the wash the week after the murder she then brought me the two which i now produce i saw a night dress and cap on her bed and asked whose they were she said they are my sisters the two she brought me had been worn this afternoon i again proceeded to the house and sent for the prisoner into the dining room I said, I am a police officer, and I hold the warrant for your apprehension, charging you with the murder of your brother, Francis Saville Kent, which I will read to you. I then read the warrant to her, and she commenced crying, and said, I am innocent, which she repeated several times. I then accompanied her to her bedroom, where she put on her bonnet and mantle, and brought her to this place. She made no further remark to me. I now ask for a remand for a few days, and on the next occasion I believe I shall be able to show the animus which existed between the prisoner and the deceased, and to search for the missing nightgown, which, if it is in existence, may possibly be found. To Wednesday or Thursday next, I think, will be ample time. After some further consultation, the prisoner was remanded till Friday next, and was removed to Devise's jail in custody of Inspector Witcher and Superintendent Wolfe. With the remand of Constance, Inspector Witcher redoubles his efforts to prove that Constance was the main killer of her half-brother. The case gripped the headlines across the UK. From the Cork Examiner on the 3rd of August 1860, English Murders Who is the murderer or who is the murderess of Francis Savile Kent? The proprietor of this most foul and most unnatural assassination still remains at large. The motives that prompted, the instrument that effected, the circumstances that attended, the means made use of to evade discovery of this horrible deed, are yet shrouded in a mystery that seems inexplicable and impenetrable. In the case of the poor little boy Francis Saville Kent, it is as clear as the sun at noonday "'that the child was found barbarously murdered, "'stabbed, its throat cut from ear to ear, "'and crammed head downwards in the orifice of a cesspool. "'The little victim was taken up by someone's dexterous "'and it may be experienced hands from the crib where he slept. "'The bedclothes were neatly folded down. "'He was born wrapped in blanket through the apartments of his home, someone evidently well acquainted with the locality, and who had the devilish cunning to open the fastenings of one of the windows in order to suggest that the idea that the assassin had entered from without. He was carried, sleeping or waking, the murderer alone can tell, to the cesspool. It may be that the first intention of the assassin was to suffocate the child, but a slanting board appears to have frustrated any design of total immersion. Then the more butcherly act of cutting the throat was performed, and the child was left and found as to have been described. But wherefore, and by whom, here our knowledge ends. The child was murdered by someone in the house of Mr. Kent. That fact is apparent to the most superficial observer of the evidence, and, up to the present moment, it seems to be all that can be known by the keenest detectives in England. Letters pour into the papers from armchair detectives attempting to resolve the riddle themselves from the clues given in the papers. The search is on for the missing nightdress, but no trace can be found. A request is made to exhume the body of Francis Sackville-Kent with the thought that possibly the guilty party had secreted the nightdress within the coffin. With permission from the Home Secretary, the coffin is exhumed, but no trace of the nightdress is found within the coffin. Such is the notoriety of the case that more than one person, unrelated to the family, comes forward to confess the crime. These are quickly discarded as alibis, timelines and crime scene testimony is checked. With the missing nightdress not found and no other viable evidence for the prosecution, the case of Constance Kent collapses, and she is released. Witcher had faced considerable hostility. The case broke his spirit and his reputation as the rising star at the time of Scotland Yard. Witcher returned to London where he resigned from the Metropolitan Police shortly afterwards. He maintained his conviction that Constance, with the help of William, had killed three-year-old Francis. He was reported to having told a friend that they would only know the truth when Constance confessed. Constance Kent Although legally reprieved, Constance's reputation was destroyed with the taint of did she or didn't she about her. There were stories of her having been jeered at while walking in the town. Constance was sent to a religious institution in France and then back to England at St. Mary's home for penitent females. The case becomes a cold case. It is shelved with no further viable suspects that can be proven. And then the incredible happens. Constance confesses. The Confession Constance confessed in April 1865 to her confessor, the Reverend Arthur Wagner. In her statement, Constance explains that she waited for the household to be asleep and then went downstairs, opening the shutters and a window in the drawing room. She then went and took Francis from his bed, wrapped in a blanket. She then carried young Francis to the water closet, where she had previously hidden matches and a candle to give her light to accomplish her vile deed. With a razor stolen from her father, she cut Francis's throat and attempted to stuff him down the privy, the toilet. This planned murder was an act of revenge against her stepmother for her treatment of her mother, the children at the time had suspected that her father had been carrying on with the future second wife of Samuel whilst their mother was still alive. From the South Australian Register, the 18th of November, 1865, Constance Kent's confession. Dr. Bucknell of Rugby, the medical gentleman who visited Constance Kent give an opinion on the subject of her sanity, has published at her particular desire a confession which she has made to him of her crime. On the night of the murder she undressed herself and went to bed, because she expected that her sisters would visit her room. She lay awake, watching until she thought that the household were all asleep, and soon after midnight she left her bedroom and went downstairs and opened the drawing-room door and window shutters. She then went up to the nursery, took the child from his bed, and carried him downstairs through the drawing-room. Having the child in one arm, she raised the drawing-room window with the other hand, went round the house and into the closet, lighted a candle, which she had secreted there, and placed it on the seat of the closet. The child... Being wrapped in the blanket from his cot and still sleeping. And while the child was in this position, she inflicted the wound in the throat with a razor of her father's, which she had procured a few days previously. She says that she thought the blood would never come, and that the child was not killed, and she thrust the razor into its left side and put the body with the blanket into the vault. She went back to her bedroom, examined her dress, and found only two spots of blood on it. These she washed out in the basin, and threw the water, which was but little discoloured, into a footpan. She took another of her nightdresses and got into bed, and in the morning her nightdress had become dry where it had been washed, and she folded it up and put it into the drawer. Her three nightdresses were examined by Mr. Foley, the police superintendent, and she believes also by Mr. Parsons, the medical attendant of the family. She thought the bloodstains had been effectively washed out. But on holding the dress up to the light a day or two afterwards, she found the stains were still visible. She therefore secreted the dress, moving it from place to place, and eventually burnt it, in her own bedroom, and put the ashes or tinder into the kitchen grate. As regards the motive of the crime, says Dr. Bucknell, it seems that, although she entertained at one time a great regard for the present Mrs. Kent, yet if if a remark was at any time made which, in her opinion, was disparaging to any member of the first family, she treasured it up, and determined to avenge it. She had no ill will against the little boy, except as one of the children. Dr. Bucknell adds, She told me when the nursemaid was accused, she had fully made up her mind to confess if the nurse had been convicted, and that she had felt herself under the influence of the devil before she committed the murder but that she did not believe and had not believed that the devil had more to do with her crime than he had with any other wicked action. She had not said her prayers for a year before the murder, and not afterwards until she came to reside at Brighton. She said that the circumstance which revived religious feelings in her mind was thinking about receiving the sacrament when confirmed. The doctor does not believe Constance Kent is insane, but he thinks that from her peculiar temperament that solitary confinement would be very likely to make her so. The Times summed up the general reaction to Constance's confession. A more horrible story has seldom been placed before the world. A description given by a girl of twenty-one of the way in which, when only fifteen, she murdered her little brother from no motives but those of the most trifling spite. The horrible deliberation which every turn in the story displays, the indifference or the still more diabolical self-possession which it indicates, these things combined form a picture which may well make us shudder. It is evident, however, that we have not yet obtained a complete account of all the circumstances. Whether from the obligatory of mind which seems to prevent every criminal from making a perfectly accurate confession, or from mere inadvertence or emission on the part of the narrator, it is impossible to say there is some mystery about the nightdresses and also about the girl passing through the house at night without disturbing anyone not even the child with her confession constance was charged and convicted of the murder of her brother constance was initially sentenced to death by hanging but she was reprieved by queen victoria due to her youth Constance served 20 years at various prisons where she was employed in the laundry and later in the infirmary. She was released in July 1885 and she was 41 years old. Once Constance was released, she emigrated to Australia and joined her brother William in Tasmania. She held a number of different positions including nurse an administrator in New South Wales. That concludes this episode of Scotland Yard Casebook, The Road Hill Murder. We very much hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy the show, we will be grateful if you could like or subscribe to our little channel. We upload five days a week. Mondays are murderous as we delve into the dark side of Regency and Victorian crime. Wednesdays are wicked, where we pull together stories with a similar theme, such as doctors of death. Fridays are frightful, where we look at crimes in a location, such as stories from the stage to murder and scandal in the aristocracy. Saturdays is Serial Killer Saturdays, where we investigate serial killer stories from the past. And Sundays is a bit of fun, with the unique mini-murder mystery where you, the listener, have a chance to solve a murderous riddle. On the last Sunday of the month, we offer a two-hour compilation of stories based around a theme. Thank you again for watching and listening. This has been News of the Times and I am Robin Coles.